0: Welcome to The Joe Cohen Show. Join me as I share my experience with biohacking and invite top health experts to explore the latest technology, supplements, research, and resources for optimizing your body and brain. Hey everyone, I'm back with Oz Garcia. This guy's a third timer on the podcast. I just love talking to him. He's a wealth of knowledge and information. And this time, we're going to be talking about testing, what kind of testing he does in his practice, how does he interpret their results, and how does he build a plan based on that. So welcome back, Oz.
1: Thanks, Chell. Happy to be back as always.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So let's start with, uh, I mean, you're going to be testing a lot of the conventional tests. Most Sure. You're doing a lot of conventional tests. Give us a just like a brief overview of what you test for when you get a client that comes to you.
1: I'm I'm very interested in what Peter Atia calls medicine three point though, right? So by that, what he's telling us to do is to look beyond a standard CBC and an SMA, comprehensive blood count and a standard medical analysis. Right? So that's what you're gonna get if you go into your doctor, you're gonna get a quick understanding of organ function, some heart panels. And for the most part, it's going to make you look like everything's fine and not all that interesting. And so we know how that usually turns out, right? Something usually shows up later on in life and they weren't careful enough to do a deep dive in terms of your blood work. So my blood work analysis is all encompassing. I'm looking for organ function for sure. I'm looking for immune system function. I'm looking for hormones. I'm looking for any predictive factor, any kind of Um, algorithm that I can pull out of your blood that's going to tell me, for instance, the health of your heart. Because we know that among the number one killers in America, you may live a long life, but you may live a long life with a lot of infirmities going forward. So I want to be as good at predicting the potential for any one of these things to show up or not. There's a very comprehensive blood test that you can do that's going to measure other parameters regarding your heart. So you can do a really deep dive you can get inflammatory markers for the heart you can get a sense of other anti-nutrients that are building up that are accelerating the speed of plaque buildup apo a for instance like a protein a so i'm looking at a a very complete 3d picture through blood work right that's critical and then when you unpack that you've got a good idea about how you're going to proceed let's say with dietary factors exercise factors, nutraceutical factors, epigenetic lifestyle factors. And that's one test. The second, of course, I got to hand it over to you, which is I need to do genetic testing. Everybody has to do self-decode. Then, And and age really doesn't matter. So if somebody's in their 20s or their 30s, or they're in their 70s and their 80s, you you and I both, the gene sequence isn't going to change. But at any point, I can get a good idea about how to leverage certain things that I'm not gonna get on the blood test. So I'm looking for potential for what's up ahead that could be problematic and where can I pivot on where really strong. So gene testing is critical, right? We're also looking at these more esoteric tests that you and I were discussing before we went on and they're tests that actually are measuring the speed at which you're aging, the speed at which your organs are aging, for instance. That's useful to actually get a sense of practices that you may be living inside of that are putting immense pressure on everything from adrenal system to your brain to your heart to your microbiome. These particular unique tests that are out there, of which there are many, that, that are gonna measure your real AIDS as opposed to your chronological age, your biological age, we we could have a lot of fun with, it, but but I, I think there are some that for some people, it's interesting data year. The whole point is to get as much as I can up front and then unpack everything and then see more or less where that information is going to take me in terms of coaching you how to begin to craft everything that I think is going to be relevant. I'm looking at the big picture. What what's going to be the big picture, not just, hey, let's reduce sugar and get you to sleep earlier. Let's look at what are we going to do now? Because five years from now you're going to be standing in your own shoes, right?
0: Yeah. I love that. I think the more testing you do, the better, unless it's just a completely illegitimate test, the more testing you're going to do, the better. Now, most people have some kind of budget where they don't want to test. There's going to be a limit on what they're going to test for.
1: I was listening to a show earlier today where somebody who's an, an, an expert, a biohacker, was testing the results of doing NMN for a year, her and her family. And was testing periodically at about a quarterly point. every four months, they were doing blood tests. And what they were doing it was an NMN test that they, that they would send. They were based in England. And they kept getting they, they were getting results that didn't seem consistent. The, how high their NAD levels were didn't seem to match with the amount of NMN that they were taking. And, and so they decided to use a local. NAD testing lab in, in the EU, which seemed to give them more accurate results. And I thought that was already a problem. What's going on here? I think that some of these tests may be early to market. Maybe there's a lot of subjectivity built into what the person getting the results back are. And we know that genetically everybody's different, right? So is the amount of venom that you're taking really having that much of an impact on your NAD levels, if you're testing for them, and so on. So I think that you're going to get a certain amount of inaccuracy still this early on, like hair test when they first came on the market, if you recall. Okay. Right? So you could take a hair test on Monday, send it out, uh-huh. right, and then send the same sample from the same spot on Friday, and you would get back two really different results. And there was a lot of- And now?
0: And now what, what is it like? I've never um, gotten into hair hair testing, by the way, just to... They were huge,
1: but you could do... Yeah, yeah. they're still they're, big. They're still uh, very. I, I think yeah. for neurotoxins are terrific. So if you want to test for lead, cadmium, aluminum, nickel, cyanide, all these high cobalt levels, you're going to get a really good reading from a hair biopsy. But you tend to have high variability, even with the same lab, right? There's a kind of lack of consistency that... Why I'd is that? Yeah, Usually I if that, I hear that,
0: yeah. I would assume it's not a good test.
1: It, correct. I'm not going to go off hair biopsies. I think a lot of quote unquote nutritionists that are just entering the space because they don't have a lab, they don't know, they don't know how to interpret blood testing or the testing that we're talking about. It's a good entry level test. It's going to give mm. you some useful data mm. and some ideas to how to supplement and some guidelines, but I find it to be poorest of all available lab testing out there. Yeah,
0: the reason I never got into it is simply because if you're going to do a test between serum and hair, I think I would go with serum, like what Absolutely. is rolling around in your blood <laughs> rather <laughs> yeah. than what's in your hair, which could be from just some environment or whatever, right? Like, it could just be, who knows, right? Sure, that's,
1: and, and that's... What, yeah, what's that's, falling
0: hey, from the sky? How, where, have you been next to a hey, cold exactly. plant recently? <laughs> yeah. sure. I don't know. You drove back to plant. (laughs) So I don't know what's actually in your blood. Now, again, there's problems with every test. There's no one test that has no problems. But if you're going to look at the difference, and I I looked into this recently as well, because there's a lot of controversy about how to measure nutrients. And I was measuring nutrients for a number of years now, just in serum. And, and I was skeptical of the serum until I realized that it's actually pretty good. Like when you measure it enough, you could see it, you take more of it, it goes up. You take less of it, it goes down. When you see you're deficient in something and you take it, it actually, you actually feel much better from it. Right. When you're sick, it goes down. Your body uses a lot more. And I've been doing that for a number of years. I'm like, you know what? All these serum tests, they actually make a lot of sense. And, and then I just looked into it a little more and it turns out that out of, all the ways to measure it, serum is usually the way to go, even if very it's not so. perfect.
1: It's getting better, right? I think the gallery test for cancer testing is pretty remarkable. It, it, it's testing for DNA uh, sequences coming off of tumor development within the body. So gallery will actually test for 50 potential cancers. And rather than doing the, the full body scans, which are becoming very popular now, we spent a lot of time looking at them, how it's done, There's a lot of work that's been done by outside agencies reviewing their particular work. Whereas if you're doing the full body scan, apparently there's a higher risk for false positives, right? And a number of people have have actually wound up um, a bit panicked over the particular testing itself when it probably what they should have done is a gallery test, right? Because it's going all serum. And and they're checking uh, for
0: tumor tests, tumor markers,
1: tumor cells in this test, right? That's correct. Everything from stomach cancer to prostate cancer to breast cancer. And it it does provide substantial peace of mind overall. So that kind of testing I'm going to require on most of my clients over 45, 50. Okay, interesting.
0: Do Do most of your clients get some kind of cancer cells or...?
1: No, but I, I suspect that in a blood test and we did a, a basic scan cancer test, like a cancer panel, like a CEA and your CEA came up elevated, or if you've got okay. terms about prostate cancer on your PSA came up, let's say seven, eight, nine, And let's say you've already done a round of antibiotics that rule out prostate infection and it keeps coming up high. You, you may want to then proceed to a gallery test or something like it before you do something brutal, a prostate biopsy. You want to hear about the one health hack that is sure to change your life?
0: Okay, here it is. Subscribing to this podcast. 67% of listeners aren't following the show, so please don't forget to show your support by hitting the follow button now. You'll not only be supporting the show, but also investing in yourself and your health journey, all while helping to keep us ad-free. Yeah. Hey, I actually did have some tendon issues when I took this test, and then I figured out how to get rid of them. Besides that, I'm just
1: curious, about, so what did you do?
0: For the tendon issues? Yeah. MSM.
1: <laughs> oh, really?
0: Yeah, it worked like a charm.
1: No I'm kidding. That was great. Really? I, uh, I'm on right. it then.
0: So I'll tell you why I decided to take MSM.
1: And yeah. by the way, I'll show you, just I'll pull it up as well. I use two uh, peptides. I use either TB 500 or BPC. What I tried 50?
0: BPC. So first of all, I'm very hesitant to take any peptides. The way I see it is you want to first start from the most basic things. This is what I've learned over time, right? Please. the The, the best way to approach a health issue is... First, counteract a deficiency. And by the way, this is not how I've done it always in the past, but this is my new framework, is right. make sure you are not deficient in any nutrient or amino acid. Exactly. And almost everybody, if not everybody, is deficient in an amino acid or nutrient. That's sure. what I, I believe. Yep. Um, and then number two is, you know, go to something that's natural in the body that maybe you need more of, right? It's not necessarily a deficiency. So something like that would maybe be glucosamine. If you got some joints, like maybe you just need more glucosamine, some more collagen, some more something, okay? Correct. And then after that, you could go to some herbs that are maybe like anti-inflammatory, stuff like that, that have certain functions. And then, you know, once you're done with all that stuff, and if none of that works, then you could go to things like maybe certain very safe drugs, and then... That have been studied for a while, and yeah. like 25 milligrams of trazodone would be a great example sure. of something sure. like very safe, and it's been studied for a while, and it's very effective at exactly for sleep. Yeah, so that would be an it example.
1: May, and it may actually have additional spillover benefits to the brain.
0: Sure, exactly, and then yeah, and actually, I also take meclizine and I find, and, and there was an animal study showing that it extended the lifespan of animals, and so it's and it's known to be safe. It's got a very good safety profile. So it's things like that, and then also I find the PCSK9 inhibitor does works for me very well to bring down lipoprotein A. Yep. Uh, so things like that, again, known to be safe, no side effects really. And then, then I would say you can always
1: it, go to you can always go to the WADA website, and you're gonna find just about everything that works, that's banned if you're an athlete, right? But <laughs> Exactly. It's No, they're
0: also usually banning it. So if they're banning it, number one, it it usually works. Correct. Number two, there's probably some side effect from it as well, though. Could be. Right. Yeah. Usually, maybe, maybe not always.
1: For instance, Trimedazine, which is a, a drug that's not available in the U.S., but it's available throughout the EU, has remarkable effects at reducing inflammatory damage to the heart. Fascinating. Is that it also increases oxygen to muscles, and it mm-hmm. may actually reverse aspects of sarcopenia, right? So, so as a consequence, it's banned, and and so it's it it is used off label to actually improve athletic performance be, because mm-hmm. it does it without. What's it called again? Try. I, I, correct spelling is trimetazine.
0: Trimetazine. Right. Okay.
1: And you know, as as you get older, once you get into my age group, you're you're looking at. A much narrower window in terms of, am I going to use it? Am I not? So I'm going to, I'm a lot more reliant on peptides at this point.
0: No, I also think it depends on your age. If I was older, I would be also more reliant on peptides. I would do the same thing like you. But I, in general, I tried BPC and it didn't seem like it seemed to help a little bit, but not really do the, I, I'm like, didn't really do the, as much of a job as I wanted. And so I said, so I actually tried a couple things. One is I tried to increase my thyroid hormones. It okay. helped a little bit. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, it helped a little bit. It was good in certain ways, but I actually found that it didn't completely, like it didn't get rid of it completely. It was maybe like helped 50%. Okay. And then I just thought that, I didn't feel enough of a difference on the thyroid hormones that I felt like I wanted to continue. I wanted my my thyroid to do it naturally because there's other benefits for that. And so I got off of them, but it was an okay. experiment. It was interesting. Again, it's something more basic. And I was also able to get my thyroid hormones up to a decent level naturally. So nice. uh, I got off of that. But yeah, so I got off of the BPC temporarily. It was like a backstop if in case I needed it, if all else failed. Okay. But I was basically saying, okay, I was starting to get some pain in my in, in tendons, and it only happened after I started like exercising a lot. All right, and I just felt so. If you just had one an injury somewhere, and then you had some pain, it went away. Okay, that's fine. I started. It started like I I had some pain on my foot, and then I had it on. It's called like golfer's elbow. Sure, and I had it on my shoulder, and I'm just like, wait a second, this is something's not right here. So I I started, and it wasn't bad. I wasn't like in pain all day or anything like that. Okay. It it wasn't enough to raise my HSCRP, but it was just, wait a second, something, we need a recalibration here. (laughs) Let's figure out how we could recover faster. So that was my goal is how could I recover faster? Because the idea is that if I just didn't work out or I didn't exercise as much, I would recover and then it would be fine. But I wanted to be able to do whatever I wanted to do and recover faster. So that was the idea. And so I, I just thought, okay, this has to do with tendons. And so then it was just, if it has to do with tendons, it's probably related to collagen because your tendons need uh, collagen, especially type one collagen to heal. And I was just thinking, what is the rate limiting factors for collagen? Okay. And so I went one at a time. <laughs> Boom. Okay. But like type
1: one, type three, type five.
0: No, but it, no, it was more like amino acids. Oh, okay. So it was like taking a lot of glycine. Then I started taking proline, right? And it's like, okay, that's not really doing it either. And I was te- also taking tons of collagen. So I was trying, I was taking
1: 150 grams of collagen. I, I've been there. I've done the same thing. I still do. I was taking like loads
0: of collagen. I'm like, okay, collagen is not doing the trick over here. It didn't help at all actually, because I think, I think it wasn't the right lower. Yes and no, yes okay. and no. I haven't, let's put it this way. I haven't found collagen has done anything for me in a noticeable way. But if you look at the research on glycine, it is very promising, right? And glycine alone. But in any case, and and and, but if you're getting glycine, you also want the proline because your body needs both of them. And so then you all of a sudden have glycine and proline. So now you'd have to buy two supplements, and then you're also getting other amino acids from the collagen. Sure. And you're also getting some other nutrients. So overall, I would say. Collagen is a good supplement, right? And you also get some hyaluronic acid in collagen. And again, hyaluronic acid could be used for the tendons and things like that. Exactly. But something was amiss. And so one thing I noticed in my amino acid testing is that I was low on the sulfur amino acids, cysteine and and methionine. When I say low, it was like the lower end, right? They give you like these very wide ranges in these tests. (laughs) Because really what they're looking for is like some kind of genetic inborn disease mutation when they do these tests normally whereas i'm looking at it from more like a functional standpoint what's optimal performance and then i just so like it stuck out to me that it's on the lower end these tests and then i looked at some other peoples that were higher and i was like huh okay that's interesting and i then came across msm to as a way to increase the like one of the sulfur is one of the factors that is needed for collagen Correct. So th- there's a list of nutrients and, and things that are needed. Sulfur is one of them. And I said, I'm low on these sulfur amino acids. Let me take MSM. And so I take it and just the tendons just healed in, in a day. It was just the unbelievable. recovery. Recovery was unbelievable. Now, they tell you to take three grams of MSM a day and I'm taking six. Nice. But it was just like, but not only that, it just seemed to have... Really improved my immunity, everything. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. And, and I, I think visit yeah. it. I'm,
1: I'm really pleased to hear that.
0: I read this study about glycine where they, it was like people who got sick a lot and then they took glycine and they, they got sick way less often.
1: There, there, you yeah. can actually get there, this combination of, of NAC and glycine powder. And, and so I actually use that and I use additional glycine. So it actually improves sleep, by the way. Besides everything else.
0: The glycine, 100%. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, tremendously. Yeah, the glycine. So, But the thing is is that what I realized was I wasn't getting that rate limiting factor. I, I felt like the reason why glycine helps is because it helps build the collagen and the extracellular matrix. But I just felt like I was still low on this collagen despite having all these nutrients that I okay. needed for collagen. And so I said, the only thing I haven't tried yet was MSM. <laughs> and then all these benefits of that are supposed to come from like collagen or whatever yeah. I'm getting from MSM instead, oh, I think
1: you, you forget, you know, right? Yeah. You just forget that because there's just so much that we're using already and MSM has been around for what, almost 40 years. It started actually, I don't know if you know this as a veterinary product, right? I it. Oh yeah. It was used originally for strengthening the ligaments and the bones of race dogs, like racing okay. greyhounds. And then it was up to the use of race horses. And that was back, I'd say in the 1980s. Then it moved over to human use.
0: In terms of the homocysteine, we'll go to homocysteine and, and I'll tell you from the things in this list, what I'm doing to decrease homocysteine. Okay. So there's actually 36 recommendations here. You want to go through the supplements?
1: Yeah, I'm more curious to know what you're using.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you from, the one, from this list what I'm using. So I okay. use methylfolate. Okay. Methyl Absolutely. B12. Of course. NAC, fish oil. Good. Yep. Vitamin D, zinc, <laughs> all the probiotics here. Acidophilus, plantarum, long gum. Nice. D-lactis, riboflavin as part of the B-complex. MSM nice. I'm taking now. Yep. I take betaine. Good. L-methylfolate.
1: Cool. it's terrific. Yeah, yeah, you just moderate with it because it can't kick up LDL for some people.
0: Yeah, I saw that study. But yeah, so that, and then phosphatidylcholine. Nice. I pretty much take everything. Everything
1: <laughs> So do I, by the way.
0: Everything here to dec- except genistein and green coffee extract, but everything I'm else I take. I'm
1: pretty much in the same thing.
0: <laughs> and so that's why before MSM, I was thinking, I don't get it. I'm taking everything here. So it's almost... <laughs> and it got that coming down. It's and, and it, look, it was at a good level, but still 10.2, and it was 11. Sometimes I was just like, wait, what's going on here? Well, uh, you,
1: you want to get it. You, you want to actually get it to about somewhere between six and eight.
0: Yeah, it's hard to know exactly what the optimal range is. I, when looking at the research, we came up to nine. And so that's what
1: it is in the Yeah, sun. so we we're close. Now the problem is of course that there's this that there's a gene potentiality, particular gene mutations is gonna make if you don't if you don't have these particular genes in there, your homocysteine levels are just gonna go right up.
0: Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So you could see that this comes up when in the folate recommendation, the, the MTHFR.
1: Yeah, to uh,
0: So that's obviously gonna have an impact. But yeah, so I would say that here's an interesting thing. So this is something I noticed is that after I started exercising, my homocysteine was going up, wow. which is interesting. Yeah. And so you see here, this is before exercising in May, 2018. I wasn't doing any exercise here. Right? Okay. Like very little, just like walking and stuff. Like I didn't well, get into why exercise until. Think,
1: why would you think that was happening? So it turns
0: out that when you exercise it put a lot it, it puts a lot of demand on methylation in the body okay. and same when you get sick this like whenever you stress the body it puts a uh, demand on methylation and because i have this genetic predisposition to lower methylation already i think when i began to exercise a lot it put just a, a higher strain on the methylation cuz again i wasn't taking a lot of methyl supplements here in 2018 when my homocysteine was 6.8 right it's just i wasn't exercising a lot and you can see i wasn't exercising a lot based on my free testosterone in may 2008 you could see my free testosterone was 7.4 I was like, it's one of the reasons is because i wasn't exercising now i then i started taking supplements in 2019 okay. like to increase it because i saw it was low here I don't sure. think I was exercising much. I think I was exercising a little more at this point. Yeah, I was exercising more at this point, but still not a lot. Here, I was pretty sedentary. And the free testosterone, and then this is when I started exercising and also taking more supplements. My, my free testosterone just went through the roof. Right? At one point, to 84, I had, to, like, I had to lay off stuff. <laughs> and I wasn't on anything on unna- Like, I wasn't taking testosterone replacement, nothing, nothing unnatural. But yeah, I thought that this was a little too high.
1: My testosterone and my total testosterone also crashed out after my misadventure with COVID, and it was I lost interest in everything, and it, and it took me a while to get my body back to the point where it could actually start working out again and benefit from the supplementation. But exercise is critical for getting our testosterone levels up. No yeah, 100%.
0: I, that That's like the base. I think if you're not exercising, your testosterone is going to be lower. And so you could see just, again, this is exercising plus supplements, literally went from 7.44 at its lowest, which is the only time I checked the direct free testosterone to 84, which is 12x, right? So that's very significant.
1: No kidding. And-
0: yeah and these aren't flukes either you could see this is i once it hit here i already started i said okay i gotta lay off some supplements here
1: i, I, I wonder yeah. because when i was a race and i was marathoning a lot in all the years that that i was running my homocysteine levels never came down to normal and, yeah, and that's what it you know, is I, it was always a puzzle for me like how could that be
0: that's what it is so that This is why it's great that I've been taking tests over a longer period of time, because if I just started here, I'd have been like, oh, I just have this level of homocysteine, right? Right. No, and it's not like it was a fluke either. It's not oh, I took it once, and it was low, whatever, or good. You see that, and I never was exercising a lot here, and the reason I wasn't is because my body couldn't tolerate high levels of exercise, meaning like low levels, walking, maybe push-ups once a day, that was it, you know? Okay. And, and why did you
1: back off on exercise then?
0: I just, My body couldn't tolerate. So if I exercised, I would get sick. I would, it would be worse for my mood. It would harm my sleep in certain ways. I wouldn't be able to, it would take away from my motivation. So it's like yeah. after exercise, I just wouldn't be motivated anymore to do anything. So you exercise and then you, you you're like putting a lot of effort into the exercise and then you're just like lazier at everything else including working or whatever so i just felt like it was a good balance for me and then at a certain point this was about june about a year and a half ago i just decided that i'm going to really i have so much knowledge and and all this cool software at my hands i really want to understand how to really go to the next level and so correct I, I had a bunch of things that, and by the way, my immune system over time improved over time slowly, but there were things that, I, there was a lot of things I wanted to work on. One of them was my immune system. And one of them was also just to get more fit in general. Like I, I said, okay, look, I want to, I, I was reading more about exercise and how critical it is for a whole bunch of different things. You, yeah, you, know, you may know live longer. Yeah, exactly. Who yeah. And so I just felt, wait a second, but when I exercise a lot, I start getting pains, I start getting sick, I start getting yeah. this, right? And I, I so I had to figure these things out, which I did. But that when you do something, sometimes you get one negative. In this case, exercise, it can stress your immune system. And Absolutely. One of the things that was doing, so it because I'm I have a predisposition for lower methylation, basically I think with that genetic predisposition, just exercising was putting too much of a strain on my body in different ways.
1: This is a, a really good subject that you and I should pick up, up on, on some time, because there's so much about immunity that people don't understand and they don't have the resources or the capacity to think about the immune system in its totality, right? Starting with the microbiome up, And even a change in environment, just like you're talking about, how it is that we adapt or maladapt and all that I've actually had to learn over the last three years in building back my immune system after getting massively ill with COVID pneumonia, right? So I'm thinking that this is a good subject to also elaborate on. I'm curious, what's your favorite immediate hack for dealing with an oncoming cold? Let's say you're getting a sore throat. You're... Your chest is beginning to fill up a little bit. I'm, I'm curious.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm also curious of, of what you think. And I would say that, uh, based okay, on the, my, okay, based on the, the amino fine. acid testing and a lot of the blood testing I did, I was able to see what happens when you get sick a, a few it's times. Serious. Yeah. So that was great. I'm gonna do a podcast, like a probably a solo podcast, just on that of what blood tests changed when I got sick. Tell me some of your some of the things you do,
1: and then I'll, we can go back and forth. The the immediate thing is to go straight to heat. So I'm going to do an extreme hot bath. I, I learned this actually from different Russian athletes when we had our office in Moscow. And believe it or not, after East Germany collapsed, uh, a, a lot of information came out about how they would train their athletes and, and make super mm-hmm. freaks out of them, how they were able to hide a lot of the ways that they treated these athletes to become super athletes. But okay. they would travel with stainless steel tubs and bring the water to like slightly above boiling and throw the athlete in, but piece by piece, sit on the edge of the tub, produce extreme heat to the extremities, their feet, then get in up to your hips, then get in up to your neck. And if you, can't, if you do that early enough, it seems to trigger a hyper response from the immune system tremendously right away. So I'll do a variant of that, which is very simple. I run my tub extremely hot as hot as I can possibly take it, get in extremely slowly. I'm also putting in there eucalyptus. I'm putting in baking soda. I'm putting in hydrogen peroxide. And I'm going to soak for about 20 minutes. So heat makes a tremendous difference in that regard. And I would say that's a very simple hack. Then if I'm going to scale it, I'm going to use probably different peptides that have massive impact on the immune system immediately. So I'm going to use thymosin. I'm going to use thymulin. I'll probably use KPV and I'll use these selectively throughout the day. Then orally, of course, I'm just going to bombard myself with everything from probiotics all the way through to going to my clinic and doing some pretty neat IVs. So that's going to be like 20 grams of vitamin C along with intravenous NAC, glutathione, injectable licorice, and that, that's DGL. So we pretty much have that compound of methylene blue. And I'd say within 24 hours, I've just turned the whole thing around. So oh, wow. that's not something everybody can do, but that's a look at behind the curtains of what I'm going to do for myself. And we're going to set that up for our clients too, those that actually know that this is a path to dealing with what they need to pretty quickly, right? And if, you get, if we're getting clients that are coming off planes that God knows what they picked up on a flight, this is like the more elite way that you're going to deal with. Are you coming down with something you just can't afford to be sick.
0: I love it. I love it. It's everything that I don't do, but I
1: love it. (laughs) Well, when you're in New York, it's a treat.
0: No, I think it's great. I would like to try to incorporate. So I'm assuming that I'll get sick at some point in the future. And I'm always looking for new hacks to see. And so I think I've been building on some more of the basics. Some of the things I've done simply don't work or don't work enough to notice the difference. So that's something. Would you say that the sauna would be as good as that very hot bath, or it's not going uh, to?
1: Yeah, but I won't use an infrared. I'll use a stone sauna. Uh, yeah. I'll throw water on the stones. That vapor is going to make all the difference. Very different than doing a steam bath.
0: Okay. So the sauna doesn't help me that much. Like I have was doing a sauna a lot. And- Remember,
1: I'm qualifying it. it. It's not my favorite. I think an immersion in the hot water really. Pays that's well why I'm asking if it's sauna. a
0: different. I haven't done the immersion into hot water. The sauna it could help. By the way, it just I don't think it helps me enough that that I would use it as part of my protocol. Well, right? we'll also you can also yeah. be
1: you can also get slightly immunosuppressed by a sauna.
0: Correct. That's what that's exactly what I was about right. to say. So it also has immunosuppressive properties. In which case, like maybe directly, it's heating you up and it's good in certain ways. And then, but it also is suppressing the immune system in other ways. So I don't know. I'm a little, but do you think the bath, the warm bath, the hot bath is different?
1: I never would have believed it. But again, since we had it off, we were working with some of the world's top athletes, both former um, East German athletes and certainly Russian. And they had a lot of old school stuff that still panned out remarkably well. And, and you got to remember that since they were cut off from the West after the Second World War, in terms of a lot of what they could have taken advantage of from antibiotics and so on, they were actually compelled to develop whole new technologies. Most of the peptides that are used in the West were developed originally in Russia. And right. I would say a lot of the neotropics that we use today, especially paracetam and all the different kinds of racetams that there are were developed in the former Eastern Europe block. So, so it's important to note that, that they had to come up with their kind of medicine. It turned out to work remarkably well. Anytime that we'd be working in Moscow, I would be like in a candy store. If I went into uh, a drug store. It, was, it was, like, what is this stuff? Their herbal remedies, remedies were, were beyond belief too. But what they also had were the traditional uh, um, Russian bathhouses. And there you would go, if it, certainly if I was jet lag, I would go, and I, I do that in New York. I love the old Russian bath houses in New York, where you're going to sweat for quite a while, but, but they're throwing a lot of water on the stones. And then you could do, go do a cold plunge. It could be immunosuppressive, but typically if you grab through that right at the beginning, you, you just w- go home, go to sleep, and you just may wind up feeling a lot better.
0: That's interesting. Okay. So there's I'm wondering also how much of the bath plus all the other things you're
1: putting in it also are impacting. Oh, they turn out to make a huge difference.
0: Okay, you've are you able to tell, let's say, which things had a big difference? Meaning, at at certain points, I've I try the kitchen sink approach, and then at those points, you can't really tell what's working, what's not. Then over time, I try one thing at a time. Like getting sick, it takes a lot longer because you don't get sick every day. So it's like, it it does take a lot longer to see how your immune system is reacting. And also there's certain symptoms like that you can, I can tell if my immune system is better. Just for example, I used to, if I didn't get a lot of, if I didn't get like eight, seven, eight hours of sleep, I would wake up with with a runny nose a little bit, right? I just felt my immune system was weaker.
1: I would say using a wearable like Aura, is if I notice my body temperature is up by about a degree or more, I know that I'm headed for trouble. And mm-hmm. and more often than not, just that particular indicator is enough. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more tired. I've gotten my eight hours of sleep, but my body temperature is up and it's, oh, okay. That's an early predictor that you and I couldn't have used 10 years ago, maybe six mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah.
0: That's also an interesting predictor as well. So yeah. What do you think had, give me some of the things that you had the biggest impact you think is the baths. Like you mentioned a whole, but you mentioned the protocol, but let's try to break Bye. up that protocol. Like you, for example, MSM, I've noticed helped my immune system a lot. It, it's just very clear because again, like I'm able to, my recovery is much quicker and I just notice it's just this feeling that my immune system, I'm more resilient. My immune system is way more resilient. And there's also mechanisms involved. that frees up these sulfur amino acids, which could then fight infections. And also sulfur helps immunity in a bunch of other ways. But well, no
1: question about it. In fact, you can get on Amazon bags of pure sulfur that you can throw into your bathtub too. And I got that under my, my, my sink also. It just okay. reminded me. And it gets, it's mined in Nevada. So it's and they have these hot springs right? as well. Correct.
0: The, the hot springs, it smells like rotten eggs, which is sulfur. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: I used to, I, for a while, I took a And everybody's,
0: wow, it's these miracle cures. I just take MSM.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bring MSM back in today based on this conversation. But I took a sabbatical in Reno back in the 1980s, I took a year off and loved it. It was, I was near the Sierra Nevadas and Carson City had the best sulfur baths that you can imagine. The water would just come out from the ground at different temperatures, all the way up to about 108 degrees. And you would go in there and just bake your body as you had the round an egg smell around you. But that had great healing properties in terms of my immune system, my sports injuries and so on. So I've brought the Carson City baths to my apartment. I, I wouldn't tell too many people about it. But since I have no patients, so if I'm getting sick, I'm not trying to figure out what's going to do it. I'm, I'm going to throw, quote, unquote, the, the, the kitchen, kitchen sink, sink, sink at, at the whole, at the problem. Yeah. And how, how am I going to dodge whether I'm getting a viral cold or I'm getting a bacterial cold infection? I I, I just don't have the time to, to deal with it. So okay. I already know what the stack is going to be, what's the hierarchy of what I need to be doing, right?
0: So you, in your bath, you put hydrogen peroxide. Does that get absorbed from the...
1: They're, I've not done a lot of study work on it. I actually learned this from a number of chiropractors and naturopaths over the years. So I'll put in 16 to 24 ounces of peroxide. I'll probably use about a pound to two pounds of Epsom salts. And then baking soda is going to be two pounds of Arm & Hammer. And in I go. They're going to tell you it's going to take two weeks to get over it. I'm like, no, it's going to take me a day, maybe 48 hours, but I'm going to get over it. So I'm going to drive the heat a lot i right, probably also using infrared heating pads at my feet and on my chest and sleep to, and sleep.: i got to try old.
0: that next time. I'm going to do the, the bath, like really drive the heating more. Because it's not something, correct. the way that I would normally drive it is like a sauna, but then I found that it has some immunosuppressant. That's correct. I, kind of, it's like I was like unclear about the sauna, but maybe the hot bath would be better. I might try that. What else do you think is like a big factor?
1: Believe it or not, zinc on contact, like zinc lozenges, zinc okay. picolinate lozenges are terrific. A lot of viruses are first going to start taking off in your throat, and you already know that. And I would say for studies that I'm sure you're well aware of, zinc on contact seems to have a rapid effect on turning around a viral infection that may be taken off in your throat. Particular gargles, same thing with gargle with peroxide, sea salt. And that may be enough. Do you it's do
0: betadine, povidone Sure.
1: You can do that yeah. or you can also use Lugol's iodine, a couple of drops yeah. of that, and gargle with the peroxide and the sea salt. That seems to have a great effect almost immediately. And then throughout the day, what you want to be is sucking on a zinc lozenge.
0: What about the, what is that thing called? Dr. Mercola actually told me this. I've never tried it. It's, I, I have these things, like I have too many things to try, so I have to prioritize. <laughs> And so what, what he said was, what was it? It was, I have a device. It's, what is it called? It, you breathe in the hydrogen peroxide, essentially. Oh, nebulizer.
1: Nebu- yeah, it's a nebulizer, yeah. Yeah, you can use a little portable nebulizer. Same thing, you can get them on Amazon, they're terrific. And you can yeah. put peroxide in there. Yeah, and you can, you use and, that? Yes. Does and, it and, work? And, for, oh, it's for, terrific for, because it, it immediately gets to the infection right away. But you want to put a lot of saline in it. So, so we've got... A clinical nebulizer where I can put it on and I've got saline, NAC coming into my lungs. It's, it's pretty remarkable.
0: Okay, and so you find that's, can you rank what you think is like the most important and the
1: thing that you're not sure maybe has an impact? I would say that, believe it or not, I think, I think it's mullein, something like that as an herbal extract seems to also help the lungs tremendously. And I I was thinking about that more recently, again, because we're getting into COVID season again, and more of these weird respiratory infections that are going around. Believe it or not, I would start with the basics. I think the extreme hot bath critical. I think hot beverages, whether it's hot miso, hot, traditional Japanese or Chinese soups with a lot of hot spices in it opens up the airwaves tremendously. And produces bronchodilation, so you can breathe a lot better. Then from there, then so that's
0: I- treating it once you already have it.
1: But if you're anticipating, like like you already know, if I already know, I'm going to be hooked up to one hell of an IV. Okay. Right. So so
0: you find that the IV is you notice an impact from the IV.
1: Right? It it can knock out an incoming infection within a matter of hours. And so there's a phenomena that's occurring when you're getting 10 to 20 grams of vitamin C into your bloodstream in a matter of an hour as opposed to taking 1,000 milligrams every two to three hours and causing the gastrointestinal upset that's going to come as a result of that. So high vitamin C IVs are, are pretty dramatic. Then I found that licorice, based on studies going back, I don't know, 30, maybe 40 years out of Japan, where they were using compounded licorice mixed with cysteine, interestingly enough, was being used to repair liver damage, specifically caused by hepatitis B, but then it rolled over. They found that it produced a global effect on normalizing a poorly functioning immune system. So that's going into the IV. Then NAC is going in there, Glutathione's going in there. You can also get different forms of sinus extracts. Same thing, and there's one that, that I like a lot that works better intramuscular, okay. and I mentioned this earlier, which is stimulant or a thymosin. That pretty much has a galvanizing effect pretty quickly, and there's a lot of great data on that. Um, there's there's been, one, is oh, that
0: the same as the thymosin 4 beta or something?
1: Uh, very good, you got it. Thymosin okay. uh, 4 beta is TB500. It's thymosin alpha 1.
0: There's a bunch of different thymosins. Correct.
1: I mean, so you want to use thymosin alpha 1. Okay. Right, and then there's another one called thymulin. So you, you, you can work off both. And for a lot of people that are needle adverse, you can do it also sublingually. So you okay. And what yeah, about so,
0: intranasally?
1: Oh, d- tremendous.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So there's really little drop off in terms of its effect, its useful effect, in terms of doing it intranasally or doing it uh, sublingually. Let's say.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: So I'm starting low and going up high right? Okay. Depending on what symptoms I may be having.
0: And tell me the IV, what do you think is the most important? Is, are there B vitamins in the IV?
1: Oh yeah, I'm going to put B12, B complex. I'm doing that anyway, but in, in terms of knowing that I'm going to get depleted overall and I, I want to hit my body with just about everything, I'm gonna, I may even put in there different homeopathic remedies that, that work really well. You can also get homeopathic thymus too. So that seems to have a measurable effect, but I think overall, the high amounts of injectable ascorbic acid have the most measurable effect. And, and we've used that with people that are, are suffering from any number of immune uh, problems. I would say even beginning all the way from getting a really bad cold to somebody that's having a severe problem in the moment with, with let's say MS. So you can see them responding very quickly. After getting a really good vitamin C infusion, actually, NAD does the same thing too. Okay, interesting, interesting.
0: Okay, so we got the infusion, we have the bath cocktail, got uh, the
1: we? zinc lozenges,
0: the zinc lozenges, the uh, the, the peptides, correct? The gargle, okay,
1: right. Change your toothbrush.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay,
1: because it's infected, it, 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 you can okay. just reinfect itself all over again. So you got to do that. Toothpaste I think makes a big difference and, and you can also use chewable oral probiotics. So there's a whole range that you can get that I think that when you're getting sick are really important. Interesting.
0: And so when was the last time, let's say you got sick?
1: Believe it or not, I was about to lead a men's, co-lead a men's retreat in Costa Rica and on the plane there. I started getting a scratchy throat. And this is going to be a vacation also. It's going to be 10 days in Santa Teresa, Costa Rica and the Pacific coast. Get up every day and go surfing. Do all the different exercise. And I had to leave. And here I am. I didn't bring any of my IVs. There's no sauna. We're in Santa oh, Teresa, wow. Costa Rica. There's no real hot baths. So I was staying in a place where I don't think you even had a hot water coming out. So that was very difficult. The, the one thing that I did have was my supplements and among them i had syncopicolinate that you just take or you just mm. take it and i was just opening that and putting that on the back of my throat mm. you know and believe it or not i'd go to the ocean and take up salt water that oh interesting was a lifesaver
0: interesting you, 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 I, you make you make good
1: look to god that kind of thing
0: i like that okay so i have a Yeah. The way I see it is like this. There's, I like your hacks and, and I want to, those are areas I want to explore more. So I've done like eight different sprays, trying them out. And I, and while they probably do help a a bit, what I figured was I need to first focus on my immune system. Yes. Make sure that my immune system is really in tip top shape. You do. After that, then you go with all these kinds of the hot this is just my approach, right? The hot bath, the the nebulizer, the the ocean, whatever, like all this kind of stuff. These are good hacks, but they don't directly interact with the core issue, which is the immune system.
1: That's correct.
0: And what I noticed was that there was just some people that I like to call mutants that they would just like exercise all day and they never get sick. Right. And I was just like, okay, so it's very clear that their immune system is very good and they're not taking supplements, a lot of these people, right? I was just thinking that I think the most important thing is that I need to improve my immune system. And then I will, I could still try certain hacks here and there, but I think improving the immune system is most important. And something like zinc, by the way, is going to improve the immune system directly. So that I wouldn't call a hack. Whereas things that are like antimicrobial are a little more... Hacking, right? That's
1: what KPV is, which is a particular peptide that is antimicrobial, correct?
0: And then I would say methylene blue is a hack. It's not really improving your immune system in any correct. significant way. Well, we're uh, talking no, about
1: salvage operation. You're now. This
0: is, yeah, this is salvage. But I think that these. This is already okay. You failed in something more basic, or or you could have improved in something more basic because. Right. These mutants didn't need to do all this stuff and they still didn't get sick, right? That that's my thinking is that let's really start with a more basic point of view. And and by the way, I've done the kitchen sink as well. So, I've tried that approach and with mixed results. I think it overall the kitchen sink approach helped me, but still it didn't it wasn't perfect. It, it, sure. it, it there's a lot of room to improve. So I wanted to understand really what are the the core Aspects, and I think I've already gotten to those things. I think I've actually discovered the, the core stuff. I'm sure this uh, maybe some more core stuff, but um, and and something like thyroid hormones would be an example of something more core, right? Okay, let's try to see if I increase my thyroid hormones, and that actually seems to help a bit. Um, but I'm also now I'm trying to not use it because I want to see if I could fight things off without it. So I'm doing A, B testing. And, and if I get sick, then it's a learning experience. And next time I'll try something else. <laughs> right. So I, I have all these tools in in the back and I want to save a lot of them, like the nebulizer, the 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 peptides. I feel like these are OK. Fine. Plan A doesn't work. Time to go to plan C. <laughs> plan A, plan C, right. plan C. But so, I, yeah, I figured out a lot of the more basic stuff and those helped me the most, I think. And so for and and actually this was Very recent results. I found playing around with amino acids helped me a lot. Just that you you got my attention with
1: that, by the way. You really did. I'll
0: show you something with some of the amino acids that that and how I played around with it. But the nutrients and the amino acids were an interesting one. So also, I just I also look at. I understand. We have different reports on immunity in the site, by the way. So this one's like on flu, and and that's obviously going to help immunity, but. I want to show you certain things about the amino acids in uh, my lab tests. Let's say, yeah, so we talked about cysteine and methionine, right? And we mentioned that those are on the lower end. And we also know that NAC is actually one of those things, right? So yeah. NAC is going to be on this list of one of these things that are good for flu prevention. Uh, if it's not here, it's going to be on some other. Let's see. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, NAC here. Yes. So anyway, so let's say people supplementing with NAC, 1,200 milligrams a day for six months may reduce the frequency, length, and severity of flu-like episodes. But this also goes with other infections more or less, right? For NAC, there's a lot of stuff like that. But anyway, I started to say, okay, I'm taking 600 milligrams. So one of the things I decided was, and and I did take more NAC when I felt like something was coming down and maybe it helped a little bit, but I don't think it helped enough. But number one is because these amino acids were low, the sulfur, the MSM, I think helped me out a lot. Really, like just build that core immunity like we talked about. So what I do now is if I feel something is coming on, first of all, I've been supplementing the amino acids that I need to get me in the right level. So it was like taking a bunch of amino acids that I was deficient in plus the MSM, I think, and, and then also taking certain amino acids that I'm not deficient in, But my body uses more when I get sick, and I found that I noticed a significant change from that. So that's just one of the elements that I do. Very nice, beautiful. Yeah, and and I find that's helpful and and helpful at increasing the core immunity. And again, this is the core, the, the the fundamental ingredients of what your immune system uses to produce these things, and it also uses. A bunch of vitamins and minerals, and we don't have time to get into that. But the idea is that I'm using a very data-driven approach here about how to improve my immunity, and it seems to be working very well so far.
1: I'm I'm very impressed, Joe, and how carefully you've put together the information. I, it looks like subconsciously I've been doing it. In, in, in like particularly like, my IVs, I'm also using most of the amino acids that you mentioned as a hedge against sarca, sarcopenia, right? Ah. February, February, so right. I'm just jamming amino acids in any way possible, right? Whether it's coming in through IVs or it's coming in through my different- But then products. you hear
0: the people who say, oh, protein restriction and these blue zones are eating less protein and this, that, and the other. And then you hear the other, like I hear all sides of the equation, but- it's all bullshit at the end of the day. You got to just look at what's going on in your body. It doesn't make a difference, all this nonsense of this person says that. This pers-
1: I know for oh, a fact my arginine and histidine are lower. Be, you don't want to be a vegan at my age.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh my. So I just did a solo podcast about what are all the harms of, of uh, being a vegan. And I, and I go through all of my lab tests and I say, okay, let's just look at. Basic fundamental logic and data. You can't argue with this, right? I didn't bring in epidemiological studies. It's like, look, if you're on a vegan diet, you're lower on tryptophan, okay? It's just, I'm low on tryptophan, even with eating mostly meat and 1,500 milligrams of tryptophan. What do you think you're going to get when you're on a vegan diet? It's like, you look at the data in that way. It's just, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. I'm not giving my opinions. I'm just saying, here's the data, right? I'm low on these amino acids. I'm eating. I'm taking in 10 times what you would get on a vegan diet. And I'm still low. You sure
1: you want to do in a vegan diet? It's unsustainable. Uh, and, and, and I have the evidence. I have the evidence. And also from clients that have been vegan slash vegetarian for 10, 20 years going into my my age group. it, it It's not pretty what i was saying with styles of eating um there's oh, so much in terms of what people are advocating for it's funny there's a new study that just came out on the mediterranean diet which is supposed to be the end all like this is the perfect diet overall and it came back in conclusive for a lot of what was being said about going back to the lion studies leon studies back 40 years ago it was like really
0: the it's just unbelievable the more I've been in this field you've been in this field way longer than me I've been in this for twenty years doing research, and you just come back and forth, oh this study says this epidemiological study says that the blue zones and this there's a new documentary out, and then people ask you, what do you think of this document I' just like now i'm just my whole philosophy is different. I don't care what this epidemiological i look at my data that's all I you need, got' him. right yeah you but, but, at, and you certainly. look at the studies you say. If you have this piece of data, this means this, okay? Your homocysteine is not lying to you. I don't care what diet, whatever, right? It's like Brian Johnson's on a vegan diet, okay? Let's look at it. But he's also taking a ton of supplements, and guess what? He He just released his sperm count results, and his sperm concentration was 7 million per milliliter. Mine is 480 million. So I don't know if he's neuterizing. (laughs) (laughs) What the (laughs) hell? Yeah, his is extremely low. So I, I, does that have to do with the vegan diet? I don't know, right? The the, the idea is that for, I love his approach. He's taking the data-driven approach, so I'm not going to argue. But I, would lo- I actually want to get him on the podcast and talk about a whole bunch of stuff. But the point is that there's negatives. And is it is his sperm count so low because of the vegan diet? I don't know.
1: We're, we're going to find out. This experiment is going to go on for a while. I, I could never live that way.
0: No way. The other thing is, if he's on it for a year, it's different than if he's on it for five years. I've been doing my diet for many years, but again, no matter what you're like, uh, my biggest mistake in health and nutrition, uh, my biggest mistake, is that, like, I I bought into the concept of if you're getting a lot of it in your diet, you don't need a supplement. It was just wrong. It was wrong. I see it in my blood test. It was a crack. I don't know where. Yeah, these people who are just not exercising—they don't need to use nutrients, right? And it's like they're, they're, they're whatever. I don't know what the hell is going on. I'm a, I'm high-performance person. I'm not gonna live. I'm using my brain a lot. I'm using my body a lot. These people who are couch potatoes, who they're doing these studies on—I don't know what they're. They're probably fine, just <laughs> eating whatever. They're not exercising. They're not using their brain. They're just drinking some beers, whatever. I don't know what they're, who they're studying or what's happening. They're not looking at optimal performance, I'll tell you that
1: much. No. So no, lower peak human. So that so was a
0: crock. that was a crock. But anyway, that was my biggest mistake. All right. Let's you gotta go.
1: Right after the holidays.
0: Awesome. We got we got a lot more discussed. Always love uh, talking.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, I I yeah, yeah. really smart as hell.
0: I appreciate you. you're very smart and knowledgeable. So I love talking to people who really know their stuff and it's hard to come by those people, so try to grab on as much as I can.
1: Thanks, Joe. So, me, too.
0: I appreciate it.
1: All right. Big hug, right, Me. Have a wonderful holiday.
0: You, too. Enjoy.
1: New Year. Bye. Be well. I'll see you later.
0: 67% of listeners aren't following the show, so please don't forget to show your support by hitting the follow button now. You'll not only be supporting the show, but also investing in yourself and your health journey, all while helping to keep us ad-free.